very often people come to me and you know they're complaining this and that and the other. I say, okay, how good are you at saying no? Welcome to Finding Your Spark Again. I am so glad to be here today with Corby Mitleid. You know, Corby has always been the different one, a writer and visionary in a medical family. She's always made her path. Leaving an Ivy League university after two years, Corby struck out to find where joy and purpose lived. Surviving divorce, abuse, poverty, and cancer, Corby learned the value of the examined life, meeting challenges, and always asking the next question, facing each new situation with strength, courage, and humor. Today, as an intuitive counselor and inspirational speaker, Corby brings a full toolbox to her job as a beacon of manifestation and vision for her clients worldwide. Welcome, Corby. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here. I am really excited to get to talk to you today because I know that you've got not only a lot in your toolbox, but a very um, succinct ways to share it. So uh, today we're gonna talk about clarity and joy and how those two things are related. And I'll tell you, you know, a lot of times people don't feel like they are related. They feel like I'm fine in my mess. I'll try to be happy now, or I'm happy. I don't need to be, you know, tidied up. So can we talk a little bit about clarity? Yes, clarity is not being tidy. Think of, well, I'm gonna use the example, old people like that, we get cataracts. And we notice that, you know, yeah, we can operate, but it's tough driving at night and colors aren't what they used to be. And when we get the cataracts removed, and for me, new lenses put in because I was really nearsighted, boom, you discover the world anew. Yeah, you could have managed, but if simply getting your vision clear, that was physical vision, we had inner vision too, opens up the world to you, why would you not? It's really that simple. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you're making a really uh, big distinction between clarity and uh, tidying, right? Because I think a lot of times in, in we've had a lot of popular books that are about how do you kind of clean your area in order to clean your mind, right? In order to find that space of peace that allows clarity. And uh, there just is so much more to it, isn't there? There is. The clarity has to start with you because I know a lot of people who are in pin tidy houses and they're foggy in the brain and miserable. So it's not the magic of the house. But I want you to look at clarity like you own a telescope. What do you do if you want to focus that telescope on what you truly want to see and bring in your life? Number one, you got to clean the lens. You have to focus the telescope. You have to decide what it is that you want to look like. You have to aim it. You have to adjust the lens. And you will do all of that internally. Um, some of the adjust the lens things. 
cultivate simple good habits. That is not necessarily the house is tidy, but that's you drinking any water today? Um, did you shower so that you feel good? Things like that. Um, that's do get dressed every day. I know everybody talks about I do remote in my jammies. You can, but taking care of yourself, getting clear on who you are at the moment opens up your focus. Turn off the techno tempers, like scrolling the email, doing the Facebook, all of that stuff, because that is a way to distract yourself from what you really want. You set your schedule, you keep a list. You stay away from people, oh, this is big. You stay away from people who live in Neverland. What's that? No, oh, that's not gonna work. I'd never do that. And you know what you do with them? I wanna give you two magic phrases. You'll look at them and say, thank you for sharing. You may think that if you wish, and then you go do what you want. Um, you find your tribe. You avoid the gloom and doomers. Cause there's a lot of that out there right now. Look, I'll be honest, the world is a scary place. But you don't have to stay with people who are convinced that everything is gonna blow up. And I just remind people, even in the depression, there were people that made money. Even in war, there are people who are safe. You can find this for yourself. And if you do, you stay focused and clear on what you want. And just maybe you can share a little of your joy with people who need it. You can be the candle that lights their life. Clarity is not just for us. It is us being a gift to the world. And I'll tell you, you want joy? You help make miracles for other people and it comes at you like a tsunami. That's so great. Thank you. Um, you know, there were two things in there that I really want to pull out for us. And one is this concept of Neverland. I love the name, first of all. But also, I feel like a lot of times people don't notice that they are living with people, being around people, not necessarily living with people, who are, who are never speakers, right? And uh, because it's so pervasive in, in some, um, I want to say, uh, you know, cultures, but I don't mean uh, by, by heritage. I mean, in your family, in your friendships, in your personal culture, there's, there can often be this sense that we're being happy. We are positive, except that everything positive is measured against the negative thing that either did happen or didn't happen, right? And so I'd love it if you could talk a little bit more about kind of how to handle that because so many people try to fix that person, right? They go like, okay, I got to make them not another person because I need to hang out with them. And what am I going to do? They have to not be a never person. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly the right face. It's like, good luck. So uh, I'd love to hear any advice you have on that. The only person you can fix, my darlings, is you. That's it. Um, very often people are negative because, well, I'll give you a perfect women's example. 
we're four. There's a plate of cookies. We see the big one and we're a smart four-year-old. We reach for that one and our mother grabs it and says, you're selfish. So you're not even going to get the cookie. And she gives it to your little brother who eats it at you. And then she compounds it with, besides, girls who eat cookies get fat and nobody likes a fat girl. Do you really want the cookie? To the point where by the time we're six, we have been systematically emotionally bludgeoned. And we believe that if we want anything, we're wrong, we're bad, we'll be punished, and we have to watch somebody else get it. So the Neverland people, there is an unconscious resentment. Who are you that you would get something and I didn't? And they know better that nobody ever gets what they want. So I'm your friend. I'm going to keep you from hurting by telling you you can't do anything about it. You have to suffer in gray like me. So you can't listen to them. That's them. That doesn't have to be you. So many times when people are in their tribes, they lose that sense of self that you're describing. There's a very strong sense of self in, the, in what you're talking about, that you know that you're on your journey, they're on their journey, and that you're sharing some space and time along the way. And that sense of self can get really lost. Can we talk a little bit about how, how can you preserve that a little bit more? You know, there's the, the little Hallmark poster card, you must love yourself. And more than that, you have to believe in yourself. See, I say that four words trump three words. I believe in you is better than I love you because you can love someone and not believe in them at all. But when you believe in them, you absolutely love them. So you have to start believing in yourself and realize that you can stay in that tribe, but losing your, your own focus, your own clarity, becoming like them, you're going to lose your passion for life. You're going to lose your creativity. You're going to lose your ability to love unconditionally. Hmm. Like, you know, my family, dad was a cardiologist. Mom was a nurse. My brother is pulmonologist. I was the actress and the writer. I could have danced on the dining room table and recited Shakespeare and they would never have understood me. And to this day, there are people who look at what I do and think I'm a charlatan who steals people's money. They won't even admit to people that I'm an intuitive counselor, a psychic medium. They tell people I'm a motivational speaker. They lie about me and they want me to lie about me and I won't. Did it cost me a lot of my family? Yes, but I blessed them and released them because I knew I was never going to be loved by them the way I wanted to be loved. I couldn't change that. So I went and found people who believed in me and loved me for me, like my husband. Um, we met, got married in 2002. In 2004, got my third bout of cancer. And they took me from a Dolly Parton figure to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects. That's it. And he looked at me and he said, am I gonna miss them? Yeah, they were gorgeous, but I married you, not them. Okay. That's a man who was clear about why he married me. Hmm. And that's why the marriage has, is solid, even though it's not the marriage we thought we were gonna be. And this, we've been together 23 years, married for 21. 
That's what clarity can do for you. Joy may look different than you expected, but it doesn't mean you can't find joy even in a challenging circumstance. Yeah. So, so we're, we're bringing in this concept of joy and I, uh, you know, as my listeners know, and, uh, as you know, from our previous conversation, you know, life happens and life has happened to me, <laughs> right? If you stick around long enough, you could do beers over it. Let me tell that's you. It. That's it. Right. If you just get to live long enough, then stuff's going to happen. That's horrible. And so that, uh, that sense of like, okay, so when you're six, maybe you can find joy pretty easily. And when you're 15 or 18 or 22 and you have a lot of possibility, like the whole world is telling you, oh, you got a whole life ahead of you. It's easy to find some sort of possibility in you. You can even be really negative and the possibility kind of springs up anyway, right? But when you've been around long enough to have some things happen, then there's there's a lot of resistance on that path. There's a lot of um, expectation, both from other people and from yourself, that these things are hard and that they're awful and that maybe we should think about that part of it for a while and not really lean in to what joy can be wrung out of that. And I know you have some thoughts about um, how we can access that joy in those circumstances. I'd love to hear about that. Uh, the two things that we quick touched on in the green room, one of them is the examined life. Yeah. This is happening. I don't want it. What can I take from it for me? How can I teach with it and go on? And the example I use is going back to the cancer dance. Um, I was in my late forties. That was hard to hear. So for 24 hours, I cried, but I said, okay, I have to find three reasons to be okay with it. I don't care how dumb they sound. Number one, you don't have them. You can't get cancer there. Number two, top half is not going to get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year. And every woman listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. Three, implants. Cool. I'll be perky till I'm 93. So after a six hour fellow mastectomy and reconstruction, walked down a mass general in three days, shopped for a bathing suit in five. So it's going to be 20 years next year. I'm clean. My life is different. But I found the joy in, frankly, not having guys stare at my rack, but I just look normal now. And that was joy. People cared about who I was, not what I looked like. What a revelation. And you always ask yourself three questions. What am I X about? Look at your emotions. Why am I X about that? And then how do you respond? What do I think would happen if I stopped being X about that? What happens isn't good or bad. It just, it's an is. How you react to it makes, whether it's good or bad, sad or happy. You are in charge of that. Yeah. So this piece that you're talking about is such a great way to bring awareness to our emotions. There are so many times that people are walking around in anger, frustration, irritation, sadness, 
oh, oh, sometimes they have a truckload that they're dragging along with them, you know? But even the simple things, there are so many times when people are walking around in an emotion that they do not want with absolutely no understanding that that's what they're feeling. They feel like they're neutral. They feel like this is fine. This is just nothing except that it is. It is a vibrational place, right? And so living in that and then bringing that awareness with these questions of why, right? What is it? What's the problem? Or even what's the feeling, right? <laughs> to get that X word is what is this feeling? Does it have a name, right? And I know early on, I really didn't have names for my feelings. I had no idea that that this is what fear felt like this is what anger felt like i just was in my experience so much that there was no way for me to have any distance or analyze it or or feel like i had a way to talk about it or or relate to it in any way and learning those names is so important because you can do the thing that you just talked about yes you have to honor those feelings you know, one of the things that drives me bananas about the what I call the glurpy purple with angel people are, you should never feel negative. Everything is happy. Everything is, no, no. If you have something devastating happen to you, whether it's a job loss or a personal loss or whatever, you're allowed to grieve. You're allowed to be mad. You just don't stay there. You say, well, this is where it is. Where do I go next? And you know, my cancer has so many stories. I had to have radiation in my first bout in 1989. And I was acting in New York then. So I would go into the hospital. I'd be full makeup and hair and I'd have my headshots and all. And I would be sitting waiting. And a person next to me was, I said, hi, how are you? Well, I have cancer. I said, me too. What flavor is yours? Boom. That got her out of the pity party. By the time I was out of my radiation, because she was a couple of weeks behind me, she was coming in dressed every day. She was coming in with her makeup. Because you you can be a mirror showing, uh, showing other people there are other ways to be. You can't change them. But you can offer them the thought. Hmm. And when you do that, you are deeply touching into your own feelings of possibility, resilience, courage, purpose, and joy. Yeah. And clarity. What I hear from you is that in that moment, you had the clarity to know who you were, even though you were in a bad situation. You knew that in this life, I'm going to 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 bring all of me into each moment. And that's a part of clarity that is rarely talked about. You are worthy. I don't care who you are, what you do, whether you work or not, whether you have kids or not, I do not care. You are worthy and allowed to look deeply inside yourself and find that burnished crystal and say, this is me, this is me. Nobody else has to say it's the wrong color, it's the wrong shape. Or I don't like it. Then you go, thank you for sharing. You may think that if you wish. But 
we are not automatons. We are not from general casting. Each one of us comes into this incarnation with purpose and learning and exquisite talents that maybe we didn't have last time and won't have next time. We don't know. Who knows? But you didn't come in to hide your light under a bucket. You are entitled to shine. No matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So this concept tying clarity and spark, right? Not just your spark of joy, but your 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 spark in the world, your shininess is uh how, talk about how those are related. Talk about how we use clarity, what clarity is needed, and maybe the, the three parts of clarity that you were talking about so that we can open those doors, right? Because if you are muddy upstairs, there's no shine. There's no shine. Yeah. And I live in the Northern Catskills, baby. I know about tracking mud in the house. So um, <laughs> the three-legged stool of clarity, number one, get clear on your purpose. Number two, get clear in relationships. Number three, get clear with spirit. So what do these look like? You know, <clears throat> a lot of people come to me and say, what am I supposed to do? What's my purpose? And I go, not my job to tell you. Because that's like walking into your Russian lit class and the teacher hands you war and peace and you go, look, I know you've read it, so I don't have to. Why don't you just give me the answers for the midterm? You learn nothing. That's why you have to really dig in deep to your life and find out what your passion is. What has your life been about? Where does your happiness live? Where do you find comfort? What crises changed your life? How do you learn or work best? What do you want to be remembered for? These questions help you focus, not on what your parents said you should do. My folks told me I should be a lawyer, so no. I'm an actress and a writer and a psychic medium and that's everything that I am. But I found my passion. My sentence of passion is cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. When I can take somebody from point A to point B when I thought they couldn't make it, I'm living my bliss. Mm. That's how I found my purpose. Getting clear in relationships is important because the best relationships I say are 60-60 propositions. Each party goes a little bit more than halfway and it's the extra 10% that locks it. In this the is really important. This is, if, if you guys are not listening, if you're like driving and you go like, I didn't, I didn't hear that. <laughs> listen up, <laughs> listen up. <laughs> go back to listen. This is what this is calls a driveway moment. <laughs> this is it. You got to stop the car and listen up because this is absolutely my experience, both personally and with clients. You cannot go 50-50. That is absolutely right. Will not work. No. Nope. Fantastic. There are a couple of verses. Two verses at and fix versus listen. You can yell to somebody because you just need to be heard. You yell at them when it's their problem and you need to work on it with them. Um, my husband has learned when I am, he goes, are you yelling to me or at me? And then he knows if I'm just yelling to him, he puts on the spiritual duct tape and holds space. Fix versus listen. All of us have fixers in our lives. 
And sometimes when we're just talking out loud and looking at things and trying to figure it out and they keep interjecting stuff that we have to keep saying, no, no, no. And then we fight, they have to learn. Do you want me to try to fix this or just listen? If you say, just listen, they'll put on the spiritual duct tape. If you say, help me fix it, then you're welcoming the conversation. And by the way, the fixer usually gets to use their their skills later in the conversation, right? You do actually want to talk about how can I move forward, but you just don't want to talk about it after the first three words of the sentence, right? Right. Remember all the, the things you buy from Home Depot and Lowe's and say, read all the instructions first, same yeah. deal. You give a relationship the time it requires. You make something about the challenge itself, not personal sniping. You don't sublimate your needs, but you do put yourself first. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you have nothing to give to the relationship. So that's getting clear on relationships and then getting clear with spirit. Look, I often tell my clients, I do not care if you are Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, Muslim, pagan, or believe in Ralph the Wonder Dog. I really don't. You just need to know someone up there loves you, wants the best for you, and is willing to work with you. I I have done the cancer dance three times and come out whole on the other side. Somehow I think I had some upstairs help on that, you know? So getting clear with spirit is being able to get quiet inside and just listen. Because there will be energy, old memories, things you'll notice that are messages for you that can help you move forward. And if we're constantly doing, you know, run, 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 and multitasking, we never get to listen to that small voice inside, which may have the answers we're looking for if we'll just sit down and shut up and yeah. listen. Yeah, you know, you really, this, this piece about spirit, I love that you're talking about it the way you were talking about it. And I will say a lot of times I think of it as uh, because I work with people as you do with every background you can imagine. And so for me, it really is this space inside you that is eternal. It feels eternal, like whether it is or not, like we'll have to answer that later. Right. But <laughs> but it feels eternal. And as people age, they usually find this, right? When you're 20, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and when you're 40 or 50 or beyond that, a lot of times those are the kinds of ages that people go like, I, my body feels different, but I don't. I feel like I am as I came into this world and more. And that's that space that we're talking about when you're, when you're really able to go into that space with yourself, it does take getting quiet, right? You can't do it while you're busy, busy, busy all the time. But once you go there, the whole game changes. It does. That's why I teach people that no is a fabulous idea. It's five word mantra. Um, very often people come to me and you know they're complaining this and that and the other. I say, okay, how good are you at saying no? 90%, well, better, well. I have postcards made up that say, no is a fabulous idea. And on the other side is the tale of Sid, Moses' second cousin. It's a little fable about why to say no. And I give to him, I say, read it, put it on the fridge. And they laugh. But when we say no to what we don't want, we're saying yes to us. Mm. We're saying yes to our needs. 
we are saying yes to our comfort level and yes to our this is great. This has been really useful. And um, I would love to talk a little bit more in depth about your book, because I feel like, you know, this is a great conversation, but if you're listening right now, then maybe you want to go a little farther, right? Maybe you want to know a little more. And there is a book. Exactly. So that we can really go there. And Corby took the time to write it. So tell us about the book. We, of course, we're going to link it on all the platforms. So, you know. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's called Clean Out Your Life Closet. And I wrote it because I've never met anyone who hasn't bought a self-help book. And I remember the first one I read when I was 13 in 1968. And the first paragraph was so awful. Judy has a groovy wardrobe. Her makeup is fab and her hair is far out. Remember, this was 68. But nobody likes Judy because Judy's fat. Right there, hundreds of thousands of American teenagers were told everything you are is worthless unless you're skinny. Mm -hmm. And too many self-help books do that. Do it the way I tell you where it all, it's all wrong. My book doesn't do that. It's here's some of the dumb things I did. Maybe here's a client story and a couple of suggestions. But at the end of each chapter, you have the adventure pages where you get to decide what works for you. Yeah. For instance, how good are you at finding happiness in the moment? If you aren't good, what do you think stops you? You're not going to find that on page 82. You have to look at your own life. If you do all the questions at the end of each chapter, this will be a personal manual for you to show you you can't get it wrong. Yeah, I love that about it. I love that, that there's this interactiveness about it now um do you do people ever send the answers to you they don't they don't but that's <laughs> I okay i think you should because i think they should i anybody who's listening i think you should send the answers to to all your loved ones how's that <laughs> yes send it to your peeps absolutely absolutely that's great that's so great that's so great well, uh, I, of course, uh, we're linking everything so that we don't have to worry about that. And you have a dedicated page on findingyoursparkagain.com. And so it's all there as well as all the other platforms. And, um, but I'd love to know, is there some place special that you would like to let people know about so that they can get in touch with you and the magic that you create in the world? It's really simple. Just go to my website, corbymitlide.com. There are dozens and dozens of articles. There are two dozen different kinds of readings that I do. Uh, it's where you can find my own little podcast uh, called The Psychic Ellibrick Road. And remember, all that information is free. It's for you. Take it and run with it. Now, I feel like I'd be remiss if we didn't touch on intuition, given who you are. <laughs> Yes. Um, and, and really just talk a little bit about intuition and joy and how they're related. Intuition is that gut feeling. And uh, I'm telling you right now, all you listeners, you can do what I do. I'm not special. We're all wired like the same house plan. I just have so much fun with it that I decided I wanted to make it a career. Um, intuition is that deep inner knowing. How many people have said, 
you know, I really wanted to go to the store today, but something told me I should stay home. And my mother called, she really needed me. And I was able to do X, Y, Z. When we're clear enough and trust ourselves enough to look at that intuition, it opens up roads for us. Now, I will say, remember we're human. Even the best of us is 85% accurate. The only one who's 100% accurate is God. And I don't think he's doing Zoom readings this week. Um, but I invite people, keep notes. If you have a hit, a hint, a, a, a nudge, write down, today I felt X. Did you follow it or didn't you? You will find more times than not, when you follow your intuition, there is some joy waiting for you at the end of that event because you're learning to love yourself and trust yourself and know that the universe has your back. That's a major ingredient for joy. Yeah, so well put. So I really appreciate that you are so succinct about the concepts and uh, it brings great clarity with them. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here today and for sharing your wisdom and for sharing your wisdom in the world and for not listening to all of those people that might have gotten in the way along the way. And I encourage that to all of our listeners today as well. So please do, if you'd like, check it out on uh, Corby's website and of course on my own, donalyn.blog. And I'll see you next time.